0: or some shows that you need to announce?
1: Um, I don't really have the details in front of me. <laughs> well, hold on a second. We got to
0: Welcome to another edition of Average Superstar TV. I am your host, Lauren Leprey. Please, boom, hit that subscribe button on YouTube, Spotify, Amazon, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. And this week we are back in the music scene, the Pennsylvania hardcore scene. This guest here is someone I've known close to 30 years now, and we're still looking pretty damn handsome. Uh, this guy has been in multiple bands. He has been in bands... Such as feeble, crutch, box cutter, and the Almighty. For the last twenty years, the Great Wisdom in Chains. With that, I welcome Mad Joe Oliver. How you doing, buddy? How are you, my friend? It's so well, good
1: to finally have you on this show. Yeah, we've been trying to do it for a while. I'm glad it worked out tonight so effortlessly.
0: Yeah, and, see, it uh, actually did. Yeah, because normally you're like – it's like trying to uh, – to me it was – I can describe trying to get you on my show was like getting a stray cat that's never had public affection, throw it in the middle of a football field and go catch it. That's what I felt <laughs> like trying to get you. <laughs> yeah, man.
1: I mean, I'm usually uh, – it's hard for me to um, – it's hard for me to commit to things because I just always torn in a lot of different directions. So, But uh, totally yeah, good, I'm, glad, I'm glad that this worked out.
0: Yeah, dude, don't worry about it, dude. It's all good. I'm glad to have you on here, but brother, like, uh, like I said, being you go back a long, long ways. Here, I'm sure we're gonna, you know, come over that. But I guess, and we covered some of this in the Pennsylvania Hardcore documentary. But when did you even know you wanted to be a music? And like, did you see yourself even in a band or like as a kid, or is it this something you progressed to? I,
1: I used to always uh, fantasize about it as a as a kid. But like, um, I'm you, you already know this about me, but like I, I grew up in a very odd, strict religious household and I wasn't allowed to really listen to the type of music I wanted. And I remember like making riffs just in, with my mouth, basically, just making up like riffs and humming them to myself. And I wanted them, I know I wanted them to sound heavy, And I don't know why, but that's just a sound I was definitely attracted to um, at an early age, and um, I definitely loved the idea of heavy music. And like as it was presented to me at different stages in my childhood, I was like magnetically just attracted to this thing, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, it it's kind of like a gradual. into into the like hardcore and punk specifically, it started with the Ramones, and the first time I heard the Ramones, I was like, "That was like one step." they like, you know, my that oh, that, step, yeah, that yeah. First step was like concrete. Like, okay, I'm not going anywhere. And then um I heard a few more like heavy things, and but but when I heard "Sick of It All," that was it. Like, I was like, "Oh, this is the truth. This is this is Good. what I want to do."
0: I jump him. Where, where, how do you, how does someone even hear sick of it all? Was it just like a cassette tape? Like a friend had it and you were like, put it on. What? What's this? Was that how that worked?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Um, like I found a few friends at school that were into punk and, um, I know you know Rap Boy. Yep. And, uh, Rap Boy was, gave me a ton of tapes as a kid. He gave me, um, he gave me, um, the first Biohazard album, he gave me Chromex Age of Quarrel. He gave me a ton of like n- brand new bands that just had demos. Uh, Judge, uh, bringing it down. He gave me uh, just a ton of tapes. He just get a oh, Life of Agony gave me the Life of Agony demo and River Runs Red. Um, just a ton of tapes that I got from that well, one. That was thing. basically
0: uh, your drug dealer into the hardcore. Thing. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> and then I had another friend, Chad Piper, and Chad Piper gave me another like stack of stuff. Um, it's, it seems like every every friend that I made in hardcore would give me like a new angle. You know what I mean? Because in hardcore, there's so many different angles. They all kind of lead back to the same source, but. There's a lot of uh, tributaries that you could follow, and um, with all their own unique histories. So I kind of got blessed with with a really good education in the beginning with a lot of different uh, tributaries of hardcore.
0: Gotcha. You brought up something interesting, saying because um, I'm definitely I'm full Italian, and at my house you didn't swear, you didn't talk back to your parents. We were, you know, went went to uh, church every Sunday, and I'm just kind of curious because. You're, you're probably one of the few people I can actually bring this up. I'm not like a, I don't denounce religion and spirituality. I, I, welcome, I welcome it, you know. I, I don't live by a book, that's for sure. But with, as you got into the hardcore scene and progressed, I was attracted to heavy music too, obviously. But did it kind of stay with you as far as, like, I guess keeping a lasso on you a little bit, but in a good way of, of, of keeping your anger to a certain point? Because we certainly let it out, but We've also seen a lot of our friends that had no religious or spiritual background. Sometimes just goes so over the edge where they're in jail or, you know, worse.
1: Yeah, no, um, I was definitely kept in check. Um, one of the things that I was really lucky with, um, as I decided I was completely leaving the religion and going into my new life of whatever it's going to be. You know what I mean? I knew hardcore was going to be a big part of it. Um, but as I was doing that, I exited the religion with a bunch of friends of mine. Like we mm. all did at the same time. And we all started going to hardcore shows at the same time. So it was it was a it was an easier transition out of this very strict, very unique lifestyle, very um cultish lifestyle. Wow, okay. And um it was a very easy transition for me because i had a support system where i already saw myself going anyway you know what yeah. i mean so yeah. it was a lot working through the anger takes you know a, a lifetime really working yeah. through anger childhood issues takes a very long time but um i was lucky that i was not alone while i was starting that journey because That's, I think that's when you can really get yourself into trouble when you don't have a friend to say to kind of reel you back in. You got to calm down, you're you're getting too out of control. So, um, yeah, I that was that was a big part of it. Um, being angry, if you're not angry, you're not going to be attracted to this kind of music, yes, because really it speaks to angry people and makes them feel like okay, this is okay that I'm angry. I'm, I think I'm supposed to be right now. Mm-hmm. It's, it's definitely music that speaks to people that have anger issues. Um, and then hopefully you get into it at 15, 16 years old. You know what I mean? Yeah, and by yeah. the time you're 46, hopefully you're not holding on to that stuff anymore. And you you kind of found different outlets and let, let go of a lot of it, you know?
0: Yeah. And I mean, obviously I was a... Uh... I was attracted to the anger and stuff inside and everything but i wouldn't actually say the religion and you know was holding me back or anything i was more of the i was picked on a lot you know real skinny kid i was just constantly picked on by jocks and stuff and that the music spoke to me and it was funny because for the kid that would walk the, through the town i would take the railroad tracks and i knew every path that if some kids were going to chase me down i knew where to run it's funny when I say like, I was bullied. I wasn't so much physically bullied. I was fast and got away. But, you know, <laughs> and that mentally breaks a child down. And it was funny. I'm home listening to heavy metal and my walls full of, like, not knocking them, I still love them, but Guns N' Roses, Poison, and, you know, anyone you, you can think of. And one day on Headbangers Ball, which wasn't, you know, putting out, to me, putting out, like, the best output of music somehow drew stone's video for biohazard punishment comes on i don't know what happened i'm like i have i belong there and a voice yeah. in my head said like dude you're scared of everybody and, and why on earth do you think you could go there but i did <laughs> and i went by myself and i made yeah. it, it it was just the weirdest thing i just felt like this beam of light and then you know quickly my, your confidence gets built up and it sounds,
1: it sounds so corny when you describe it to people. Like I've I've said, had this a very similar yeah story into it. Like it sounds corny and fake, but it's like it really is a calling for a lot of us. It's a yeah. calling. Yeah. I don't know why I needed to go into this room. I needed to see what sick of it all looks like. I needed to see. I needed to feel this energy that I I know it's gotta be crazy in there and I just need to I need to know. I don't know why, but I just need yeah. to know. And, and then that that first time I went into a show, it was just like
0: Was this the City Garden show? Yeah. yeah okay.
1: And maybe yeah. And
0: so, that was where you first saw Sick of It All or did you see somebody else first?
1: It was Sick of It All, yeah. That was the first one. And um it was just my mind was blown and I didn't want to do anything else ever again. Like that was it. I was so completely sold in that moment. So, you know, at, um, I guess, I guess I was 16 years old, I guess, or seven, 16 or 17, 16, I think. Um, you don't, you can't picture the rest of your life. You can't no. picture anything ever being more important than this moment right now. Like this is it.
0: Then um, Mike, cause I, I really thought like, we were we were just gonna be at CC's and Spanky's for to, like now, like that was just gonna be it. That's what we did, but <laughs> yeah, you don't realize what life has like curveballs. Like, wait, clubs closed down. What are you talking about?
1: <laughs> yeah, clubs clo- clubs closed down, and um, people like it or like it or not, priorities will shift. Yep, priorities they will absolutely shift. And what's what's the most important thing in the world one day, and you can't even imagine any, it ever not being that. It could possibly be ousted by something else more
0: important. It, it does yeah. happen. Well, so. I think it's great as a, as as just being part of a human race that you evolve. Yeah. You, you, you evolve. Like, you know what I mean? Like, look at us still. We're still doing this, but we're probably, obviously, you can, I, I would probably say you're still hardcore, still your first preference of music. I would tell you mine is not. Now, the best group of people in the world, the brother, sister, or the hardcore matters more to me but like music as you get older that anger when you walk through the door when you were 17 you create late. now you're kind of like i know you're a family guy <laughs> you know you're putting bread on the table all that like sometimes when those new those new bands get up there i think it's great for that generation but when they get up there and they're 25 and they're mad i'm kind of a little like I'm a little bit past this but yeah so like I, you put out I, a song you're, you're still there you know you at write, that
1: age i fed off of the anger that was like the the fuel yes at this at this age now i'm just feeding off of the memories and the love of and the love. love yep and and the, the thing that sticks with you if you stay around in hardcore long enough is not anger it's love that you, of all these connections and friendships you made over the years that's the thing that stays that's and the that's topic. the thing that will change you it will evolve you it will grow you like you can't avoid it, so you know, stick around in it. If you if you if you can stick around for long enough, you're gonna find that like you're uh, you're a different person. When you know what I mean? As the years go by, you can't help but kind of um, soften up a little bit. You know what I mean? As uh, in in some areas, at, at least. Yeah. Um, if you if you made a friend out of this music, if you made a friend in this scene then you probably made a bunch of friends. You I don't know, you know. Of, yeah. It's hard to, it's hard to make one friend only like in in hardcore. If you made a, a friend, you probably made 20 or 30 friends.
0: And yeah. it's one of those things I don't see how you you didn't unless you were that face at the hardcore show that you saw every week but that person stood in the back and didn't say a word, they didn't dance but they were still in the scene. Like, you know, but there, there Dude, are even, faces even
1: can, those people yeah. Even those people, man, eventually, I can name five of them right now. Wow. I can literally name five that you know who were those people who they stood in the back for years and years and years, and then eventually, we're all at a diner together, and then yep. we're calling, and then we're meeting up, and then we're doing this and doing that,
0: and hanging out outside of shows.
1: Yep. So it it's unavoidable. You stick around long enough, the the love is going to get you.
0: Yep. Yep. I mean, it, it was honestly, it's it's one of the most important things that ever happened in my life. but by, yeah. by far, what what was yeah. that era you know and, and and how quickly we all bonded. Carl strength for reason said in in and, and it's this the truth. some people roll their eyes, some people get it, but it'd be crazy when you'd pull up to the parking lot and there'd be three hundred people and two hundred and fifty people chanting your name. It was like a wrestling entrance when you pulled in the parking lot, it was like. Yeah, you know, if you didn't, you weren't there. You just didn't know. But yeah, you know, that's how that's really how we all were. You know, it was crazy.
1: Yeah, and everybody's so excited. And those, you know, I mean, it's still like that, where you just you walk into a show, and it takes you an hour to get to the spot you wanted to get to because you got to talk to this and this and this. And you talk, you have so many conversations on the way to wherever you were going, and then when you go to say goodbye, it's the same thing. It's like another hour. Working your way through the crowd and out the out the door, and then it's there a, it's was a thing, yeah.
0: special for the second half. I used to disappear in the middle of the last song because I didn't want to be hung up. <laughs> to, like I'm gonna run to my car because like, I hate goodbyes too. <laughs> yeah, man, <laughs> it's crazy, but that's that's pretty great. So your first band, let let's start breaking them down. So how, I know you said sick of it all was your first, and that's when you knew you wanted to be in a band, so what's the first band that forms? The first band was
1: Feeble, and we literally thought it up on the way home from that first show. Half of us um, didn't play any instruments, and that was you and I know
0: Evan from Wisdom is was one of the main I can't honestly I can't picture anybody else in my head, brother. But but yeah,
1: so my brother, my older brother, Simon. Simon, yeah. He okay. played he played uh bass. He actually took lessons. Like he, he was mm. he was learning how to be an actual bass player.
0: Um we also played in crutch
1: for a while. He did play in crutch for a while, yeah. Yep. So we had a we had a bass player that was that was decent, and then we had a drummer that was pretty good, but he didn't think he was good. Mm. So, and then other than that, we had to start from scratch. So,
0: but I that's one said, of the things that makes this scene so freaking good because we you stick up for each other is this it's just a bunch of people that want to play and you pick up the instrument and go nuts for them. Yeah, that's what the music was originally for. And I think that's one of the not just up at the present time, but one of the things that. Kind of turns me off a little bit of how precise everybody is. You have, to... yeah. I kind of love that. Like, I like the grungy. I liked that. Like, even before our time, they would just, you know, get a cassette tape and hit record in the garage, and they'd play the song, and that was it. I was like, that's awesome. That raw. That's you know, yeah. like, you know. We cool. had
1: to like struggle to literally play our instruments, and like me, my my throat is my instrument, and. Yeah. I never sang before like mm-hmm. in front of, I never sang in front of people. I never I never like screamed and yelled before. Uh-huh. I didn't know how to use my voice at all. Evan had to learn how to play guitar just to be able to write our first song. Like he didn't know how to play guitar, so we were literally inventing a style that was unique to this group of four um four people and it was not good, but it was really cool
0: for us. You I was on I mean? longer shows. I think Fable was a band that, if you guys really, when that Warped Tour stuff really kicked in in the early two thousands, I think if you guys were around then, I think you guys would could have went far because you had a different style. It was more pop, you know, pop punk a little bit even. You know, yeah, that was that was
1: another thing. Like half of us wanted to sound like uh, like Bad Religion like uh maybe like no effects or something or yeah. screech, screeching weasel that was evan's band Yeah, i love that band and, yeah. and uh then the other half of us wanted to sound more like like war and sick of it all and and uh you know just whatever like cool fast hardcore we were listening to at the time and i thought and, that
0: was super cool that you guys tried that because if if you really looked at what we were doing we were trying to put a flag in the ground but we really were just mirroring new york hardcore everyone wanted to be and you oh, guys yeah. like, and you guys went different i mean yeah. besides the Warzone zone thing but i get but but obviously it's a new york hardcore yeah, thing, but yeah you, no 100 percent. like even in there i thought that was awesome i
1: i will say i was not responsible for that <laughs> i because i wanted to sound like new York hardcore but <laughs> evan wanted to sound more pop punk and and like um I don't know, accessible, I guess. I wanted to be more angry and abrasive. Evan wanted to be more like, no, let's make something that actually sounds like good. <laughs> and I was like, more like, nah, I want to be like angry. Uh, but yeah, it was a good mixture, you know, and we had some cool moments. We definitely had some cool moments and we definitely had something that was unique for the time. Nobody that we were playing with sounded like us. Yeah. Which is like, something we you know a long time back down the road we came back to that with wisdom and chains where we're like doing a band that doesn't sound like anybody else. Yes. Like it's hard it's hard to compare um wisdom and chains to the bands that we play with. It's very hard. Like because we so the advantage of that is that it makes you stand out in a crowd to people that never heard any of these bands. Yes. The one that sounds very different is the one that's probably gonna be um the the first one they think of so that that was ended up being a little bit of an advantage back then and also uh, yeah. once we i thought
0: started. it was also very daring because like again we just all wanted to be new york art like we we just you know one thing about our area for anyone who's, who's checking this out like that's not from pennsylvania that northeast pa that's Grant Wilkes i mean we were we were just trying to get recognized we were trying to grow a scene And we we valued every band that came through.
1: Man, every single one.
0: (laughs) Every band that came through
1: CC's that wasn't from here was like a blessing. And we were so excited and happy and proud that they're in our spot. And we wanted to make them feel welcome so that they would come back. Like it was a, we, everybody took pride
0: in our spot everybody yeah. and it was beautiful man it all did and i always said the opening band sometimes would steal the show because you would be sitting there like i can't wait for fury to go on i can't wait for all war and there's like five <laughs> bands the first band like i can't wait i gotta dance now and you didn't even know a the song but we were killing each other like <laughs> it's like we we had so much energy we just we we heart this music it was so important
1: yeah man that was great those were great times and when i was uh when i was playing drums in strength for a reason their first we, show i was there <laughs> we, we had our um practice room in the basement at cc's so we were at every single show we were at every show for like whatever stretch of time that was I didn't miss any show ever man like I was at all of them and uh and we were yeah we were dancing and hanging out and it was just like it really felt like we had ownership to the scene you know like we really really were the the caretakers of it you know
0: yeah and like look look what came out of there look at like the flip of 2000 all the bands that got you know influenced by scranton and wilkes bear like i always knew what we were doing there was something special that i think we were, we were putting a flag in the ground i did not think that but i i, I valued. Those days, like, so they're really fresh in my head still. Like, to me, they're they're, they're like right there. Sometimes I can feel like, when I think of it, I could taste the air, that, that that air inside of CeCe's, because it was like, there was no, no circulation. So there was a distinct yeah. taste to that place, even. you know, you're like... <laughs> it's like sweat, sweat and old mufflers. Uh-huh. And, the, and it was like, when you really look at how Vince and the family was, like, that was just... You'll never see that again. The fact yeah, that, that a... the fact that starting off with at the door, are you twenty one? Yeah, the fifteen year old <laughs> kid. They don't check the ID and they stamp it. <laughs> Just go to the bar. Like, what? is this really happening?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's wild, man. And how many times? That, I I don't even know how many times I got into a shouting match with his dad, dad. at the door <clears throat> because I said oh, I'm on the guest list. And he'd be like, "There's no what are you talking about? There's no guests. And I'd be like, "I mean, uh, my my band practices downstairs. I'm just going downstairs." Uh, and uh, that
0: dude, for as crazy as everybody was, for as crazy as the New York hardcore bands that came in that were like, you know, that violent time, he'd stand right in their path. Just, yeah, he, man, he's a ballsy he's old, old man, dude, man, man at the time. He didn't care. He called me a
1: chiseler. That's what he always oh. called me. He'd be like, "You goddamn chiseler."
0: Yeah. But I remember you'd walk by, and, and and he would reach out and grab my my wrist, and he would look for the stamp. And I'd be like, "Dude, I walked past you twenty times." Like, y'all look the same to me. And he throw my hand back at my face. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he was better, man. Vince was the opposite, though. He was like, yeah. he didn't give a shit about anything. He was so fucking but, nice.
0: What club owner, though, really looked out? For you like valued your opinion. Like he'd just, he he get a bunch of, especially like me and Johnny Leonori from RSB. Like we'd get there early. He'd be like, Come here, these are the bands trying to book here. We you think they'll do good? Like he he wanted to hear from us. Yeah. If, if they would do good. And I remember sometimes like he would hand us these posters and be kind of these metal bands and be like, know, they call, they want to play here. And me and John would look be like, we never heard of them, Vince, and be like, Crumb off the floor. I ain't booking them guys. It's like that. It was like we were the you're, we were the jurors. Yeah, it, it, his loyal people. You know that it was it was crazy. Of like, I, I love that. It was this. It was, it was the great craziest era. And I always loved too. You could do anything you wanted at CC's. You weren't getting thrown out unless you did something so over the top that Vince didn't want you there. But it, it, a fight would break out in the floor, and he'd just come in and say like. What are you doing? You're gonna fight. You're gonna play. What's going on here? That, that was that was yeah. logic to, to the fights.
1: <laughs> I'll never forget, like calling the uh, calling CC's and uh, getting the the voicemail or what the uh, where, where he had the message with all the upcoming shows yeah. and Vince's voice on there, and yeah. he was once a month there was always Thursday, a Strawberry tanker. Jam. Strawberry Jam. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Friday the 23rd. <laughs>
1: All over,
0: crutch and RSB. Yeah. <laughs> <It'd be> like, <laughs> yeah. Saturday, Ashuary. Yeah. Oshuary. Strawberry like every, Jam. Everything was slow. Like yeah. you wanna leave a message, do it now. That was how we ended every <laughs>
1: Strawberry Jam played there way too much, man. I'll tell you oh, that, I guess day. they must have drew good. I don't know anything about them, but I know there were. If you listen to his his message of upcoming shows, you would hear Strawberry Jam like uh,
0: seven times. Followed by always Monday Graphic Violence. That was the other band. <laughs> <Rockers> <laughs> graphic band. Violence. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> great, man. Yeah. Oh dude, I remember that, dude. I'm so 717-457-9898. I'll I'll never forget that. Yeah. Number, I'll never forget that phone number. <laughs> That's so good, man. That's great. So Yeah, that was wild, man. Do you have a particular favorite moment at CeCe's? Yes.
1: Absolutely. Let's E-Town here. Concrete. Uh it was like a it was like a Labor Day show, like end of the summer. Labor
0: Day. It I piece? like one of his one of his super because that was Memorial Day. Was it Memorial Day? Might have been Memorial Day. Yeah, John would yeah. have the five the five dollar shows, and when you look at that lineup, that's like a this is hardcore lineup. Like, yeah, like, it, it <laughs> was like it was
1: amazing. It was an amazing yeah. lineup, and I remember E Town Concrete. This is when E Town got there. The lineup they have now, okay. like the the E Town that went on to be. Exactly. But we loved E Town before that, and they had a few different lineup changes. Like their what, their first show ever was at Q, Q's and Quarters in Scranton. Remember that?
0: Uh, was it their first show ever? It was I, their I, first
1: I, show? Okay. And their first show was with Fury of Five at Q's and Quarters.
0: Yeah, because I knew one of know. their first shows ever, and I remember when they came out. Like I was just like, no, I didn't like it. And then the, 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 they released a demo tape, and then I, I got it. And I was like. Hand it back. And then when the second demo tape came out and it came out fast, I was yeah. like, Oh damn. Oh damn. I was like, this is what I'm talking about.
1: Yeah, the first one was red, and then the second demo was green. Yes. And um, but that they sent, they always sounded good. They sounded like very uh more professional than most bands.
0: I think Anthony but- had a vision. He was just like, Yeah, yes. he had a vision way up front. Well,
1: when they finally played CC's and they had the the four dudes that are in the band now, yeah. that was the first time everyone heard what E Town is supposed to sound like. Mm-hmm. And they, I remember they opened up with um, the the Night Rider theme, yeah, like from the, the TV show Night Rider. They yeah. yeah. played that as their intro, but they played it. They actually like played it, okay. and uh, it was like. Oh my God! What's happening? Like the whole everybody was so excited. The whole place was buzzing, and they absolutely just tore the roof off of that place. It was so dope, and um, it was one of those warm nights, and the the back doors were open to the yeah. that, the sand
0: uh, volleyball court in the yeah. back. We had to close when the band played, but soon as that shit was over. we air it out. Everybody go outside. Yeah. yeah. So
1: as soon as they opened the doors and everybody came out, it was everyone was talking about how e-town blew their mind and it was like pivotal it was like a moment like a real moment of like holy shit e-town is they were here and now they're here it was like everyone noticed it at once that was an incredible moment that i'm really happy i was there for and i saw a lot of really cool uh fights some really fun fights (laughs) that i was glad i witnessed that were like you know in my mind, there were fun, legendary moments, you know what I mean? But um probably not proud moments, but they were co- it was cool to witness a lot of these fights. Oh, Blood for Blood at CC's, like, in, like, 95, maybe. '95. 90,
0: before the CC's run with um, Blood for Blood, who played multiple times, uh the Nanakoke guys booked them in Nanakoke. I believe that was their first PA show. Ever? Oh, really? In Nanakoke, yeah. Uh, West Side, the West Side Park, as it was called. Is that that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was the first show they ever ever played in PA. Wow, that's awesome. And they played. that
1: when they had. That's when they had the girl in the band, right? Yep.
0: Yeah. Check with Chris Nace on that, but I think he's the one that might have booked that. Even yeah. So. Yeah, that's sick. And they paid for like (laughs) hundred (laughs) dollars. We all did back then. Yeah. and I think you were you were at that one. I mean, they had a few infamous shows, but you were at those 108 shows, right? At CC's. Oh,
1: my God. That was a crazy. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I forgot about that one. That was a really cool moment. There um, was a couple. Yeah, I do. When uh, they were playing, uh, I think it was No Spiritual Surrender. Yeah, it was. Right? Yeah. And then they were playing it for so long, and the crowd was getting so crazy, and the pylon on the stage was so huge, that they turn off the lights and the sound and everything, and all you could hear was the drummer, and the crowd just screaming the words. Yeah, that was awesome. I mean, that was so cool, man. That was a really cool moment. That was that yeah, was a was. very cool, cool moment. I'm glad I witnessed that one.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think I don't think that's the same show where the singer beats someone up with a cool cue, was it? I think <laughs> I think it was. I, I kind of missed that. I kind of remember that. Well uh, yeah, that was another, yeah. You remember uh remember Vod when the fir-
1: when their uh the first album came out, the yes. Actual album, like it was always cool seeing Vod, and then when the, the day that their their album they their they hit CC's when their first album came out, that was like that was crazy, that was a good one. That so was that
0: was um Vod, you're right. So that the, they headlined and Madball ball had uh was on that show as well crutch was one of the openers RSB was one of the openers and Sick. the third show ever was final stand right here that was the that was the lineup the main five but oh, I,
1: shit, man.
0: yeah I remember Vince told me he's like he booked he's like I guess what I got coming in I was like Vince I have to open this I was like I've been here I like he's like like you think he can handle like it I was like my third like I don't know we're gonna find out let's just throw this up there can you handle it kid yeah 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 i was like we'll find out <clears throat> and again we were the new one of the you know we didn't last long i only lasted a year or nine shows but it, it was great it's again feeding off the energy everyone was so crazed that no one knew our songs but the place went nuts it was like one of my my top memories of yeah just, all of us just they couldn't they, they just couldn't hold back all five bands everybody just was on target for it, dancing it was crazy
1: one of the cool things about CC's is if you did poorly as CC's, it was your own fault. Like you yeah. fucked it up. Like everyone would give you a chance. There was no like, uh, like favoritism or anything like that. Like you had a you had a audience that was going to support you because you were local and you were supporting the thing that we're all like involved in. Mm-hmm. And then if you, if it didn't work out, it's more than likely something that you dropped the ball with along the way, because you always had a bottom line group of people that would support you. You know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It was like a, that was a really cool thing about CCs.
0: Yeah. So then, then we got in the early two thousands, I believe it you're, you're about 20, 21 years old now, but for wisdom and change now, right? Um uh, well
1: tech. Yeah. I, we started, uh, the first album that Wisdom and Chains recorded was two thousand one. Okay, was, uh, so twenty what is 22. that? Twenty two years. So, uh, yeah, the first album we recorded was was two thousand one, and then um, when we did Die Young, that was like
0: real Wisdom and Chains. That was like the first real. Thing. So yeah, you were fine. You were finding your niche of, of how you your sound and everything. So yeah. At first, yeah. it
1: was just like a side project. And then when we decided to make it the main thing, that was
0: Dion. You know? Yes, yeah. And that's still one of my favorite albums ever made, not just in hardcore, but just period. But it's right, right. there. Tell you that. But go, 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 let's go back to that. So, the beginning, it's the side project. And I mean, you guys are, you and Richie have been around long enough. You've all been in another band. So, what's that like trying to? even find the sound of what you're going to sound like? I mean, do you still feel you want to be heavy? Or are you feeling like, we've done that, we've we'll tried something different? What, what's going through your mind?
1: Well, we had, at the time, we could have went in a bunch of different directions. Because we had Crutch. We could have continued Crutch if we wanted to. Mm-hmm. We had Box Cutter. We could have continued that if we wanted to. We had this other, like, like kind of a passion project for our drummer, Sean Battle. He wanted to make this band called Divided, and uh, we weren't really too into Divided. But it was like if we wanted to, we could have pursued that band. Also, um, we also uh, me and Richie spent a lot of time with Mushmouth. Yes. On various albums, so like we could have went into that, and it was just sort of like this. It, it was. I don't know if we realized it at the time, but it was sort of a transition type of a period in our lives um, where we were sort of becoming adults mm-hmm. sort of unavoidable where we had to kind of, uh, we, we all lived together in this awesome house and we had a studio in the basement and we were very, um, I wouldn't say we were irresponsible, but we were definitely living the life of like, like teenagers. You know what I mean? but we were in the bodies of grown ass men now, (laughs) you know what I mean? And as like our uh, responsibility. So like, as our responsibilities started to pile up and stack up around us, we had to sort of focus on one thing instead of just like being all over the place, doing too much stuff. So we, we just decided wisdom and chains had a sound that was unique enough Um it was worth putting some effort into it. Mm -hmm. Um, The other things were, were all fun, awesome projects, but this was something that would possibly make us stand out a little bit more. It was definitely a harder road because it was, um, nobody knew what to do with wisdom and chains at first. Mm -hmm. Nobody knew what to do. They would be like, it sounds great. But in a for a live application, like where do we mosh?
0: Yeah, yeah. What,
1: what do we do? And nobody knew like we're playing with at, at the at that time that was like 2004 ish And
0: everybody was sounding so heavy, like yeah, got that was when Chugga Chugga went full prime on metal and hardcore. It was yeah, just it was hard like hard hate breed. Everybody
1: wanted to sound very much like hate breed yep. at the time. So every band that we were playing with. Uh, that was like a newer band if you I I hate using this word but our competition you know what I mean like the the bands that we're trying to like stand out from they all sounded very similar to each other but it was really great music to mosh to Mm -hmm. very accessible in that way and so we're playing and people might dig the way it sounds but there's nothing to do. Like, this is boring live. Like, nobody's doing anything. Uh-huh. And then uh, finally, they started to sing along, passionately sing along. And then it sort of fell into place. And people just kind of figured out what to do to us live. Um, I remember the first time we had, like, a good sing-along reaction was actually in Nanticoke. Um, I can't remember the name of it. It was a pizza place, like a basement of a pizza place in nanakok and uh this show went really well and this one song that i thought it was like my favorite of our songs that we were playing at the time um and never nobody ever did anything to it i just enjoyed singing it and i started singing it and it looked like everybody was say it probably wasn't everybody but at the time it looked like everybody was singing this i was like holy shit how do they know these words and it's like, well, we played a lot of shows. We sold a lot of CDs. And people are starting to click with people. You know what I mean? They're starting to connect with the lyrics. And then it just sort of grew from there where people understood there is a way to enjoy this music live without just standing here against the wall, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, when did you know it was starting to really click? Was it just the Die Young album just kind of got
1: Yeah, Die Young did really good. There was like a void where blood for blood <clears throat> left a void when they stopped playing shows. They definitely did. And we sort of filled that void for a lot of people. And I don't think we sound like Blood for Blood, but no, we know. would always be compared to Blood for Blood, probably just because of the melodic parts and melodic vocals and
0: things. And um well the vocals is what sells me on hardcore always. It wasn't you got to talk to me. I'm one of them, you know. Yeah, you know, even now the music I listen to are like you know, I'm like a Lou Reed, Leonard Cohen, Nick K. I like going deep, Patty Smith, the Joni Mitchell. I like, you yeah, talk to me. So when everyone just goes up like I'm mad, I'm angry, you're like, yeah, I got you. But <laughs> yeah, it
1: only goes yeah, it only gets you so far. Yeah, you gotta say so some other range.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. going through life, I always said like you can't fight everybody, but you don't want to get bulldozed over. So you gotta you have to have a bounce. And yeah. I I think, I think that's what wisdom was, because you got or is, you know, but you got that, but you also go in different directions, and I yeah. I, I, I really relate it to the Die Young album, and uh, Well, that for- album is the one that
1: filled that blood-for-blood blood void for a lot of people, so yep. um, I don't know, like if, if they wanted it to always be that vibe of, uh you know more of an angry vibe it did change over the years, and it got more um more upbeat, I would say an introspective and less just pure angry, mm-hmm. um, but for, in the very beginning when we got a little bit of a buzz, that's that's what did it, I think. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, influence wise, through, through the '90s and stuff, you're you're getting out and you're touring. And how's the response of of you're a PA band? We're trying to grow the scene. Is it just tough times where? You know, are people responding well, or are you playing in front of nobody back in those those days, or is a little bit of a both? A little bit of both.
1: Yeah, it's something you got to expect. If no, if people don't know who you are, you have to put yourself in front of them. And a lot of times, you've it's like casting a line out into a pond, (laughs) like you don't know. You want to put that bait in front of somebody, but you might put it in front of an empty club over and over and over again. It's not, And it's not really – you can't blame yourself. You can't blame your sound. You can't blame your, your performance. You're just – maybe you were just – nobody knows you're there and they don't know who you are. And why would they come see you if they don't know who you are? Like you – there's – sometimes you get lucky and you play to a room of people. And sometimes those people have friends and they share, they loved it so much and they tell their friends. And the next time you come back, there's double the amount mm-hmm. so that happens. Sometimes sometimes you play to the bartenders because yeah. there's nobody else there. And the yeah. next time you come back, you're still playing to the bartenders because nobody was there the first time. So there's, there's a lot of the social media um, made things a lot different where people can, you can put yourself in front of a lot of people without all of the gas money, you know what I mean? You could you could put yourself in front of a lot of people if you market yourself cleverly. You, um it, it's possible now. But it's still a risk, man. So, yes, it was it was the best of times, it was the worst of times back yeah. then. You know, you just and that's sort of what the appeal was for me as a younger man was the adventure part of it you yeah. have no idea what you're walking into you have no idea you just go touring before cell phones before the internet was the most awesome fucking adventure and it's irreplaceable those times and memories are like they're you can't duplicate them anymore now some things are made so much more easy and accessible that the fear of driving into Detroit
0: and, and trying to
1: locate a neighborhood in Detroit using pay for using a series of payphones yep. and trying to find your way to the, the coldest life house in Detroit using payphones when you've never been to Detroit before is something I will never in my entire life forget. And it's an unbelievable story. When I tell people, it doesn't sound real. It sounds like I'm making up a story, but this is a real thing that I lived through. That can't happen anymore. It can't happen. So, like, I was I was talking to someone who's uh, ten years younger than me, which is significant. It's you know, it's not like a lifetime, but it's significant enough that we grew up in different uh, with different technologies. And and this person literally accused me of making up stories. <laughs> and I'm trying to explain to this person, like, no, I swear, I know. I'm telling you my greatest hits. Uh-huh. This is my greatest hits, but this is all real. This is the craziest things that ever happened to me. And they are wild, man. There's some crazy stories that just sound like Hollywood stories. Like they sound like like something you see in a movie, and you would say, Yeah, right, that's that never happens. But at the time, the way life was structured, the way touring was structured, this kind of stuff happens all the time. Crazy shit happens all the time. When you have no idea where you're going and who you're gonna run into. And uh those were great. I don't even remember what your question was. Oh, <laughs> those were great times, and the beauty of it was the the adventure part of it. Where I don't know if it's gonna be a good show. I don't know if, if it's gonna be a bad show. I have no idea. But I'm I have nothing else to do. I'm down for an adventure. Let's go.
0: But e- even when you're saying about going to Detroit is, is you're looking for the Cola's life show and stuff that it for anyone who went to show is if you weren't in a band, because I I know this, I'd be driving 90 minutes that way. And I don't know where I am. I kind of think I know. So you're just stopping at like any gas station and be like, you're this like, please. And, you know, the guy's like, oh, yeah, two rights and make a left. You're there. And other people are like, yeah. <laughs> what like what do you get out of here you freak i don't know like damn it yeah so you're driving around you're just it's the 90s you're just looking for backpacks and anybody hanging outside to yeah. make, that's it that's it right there <laughs> yeah and it wasn't
1: it wasn't weird at all to pull into a city and talk to the homeless people and be yeah. like hey where's uh where's this place where's that what street is this Where like the homeless people are like a, a, a great resource back then of um of navigation
0: that was like MapQuest, before and, MapQuest. And it did not, particularly once two thousand hit, you don't know anymore. But you knew back. Also, you could be go. You could be in the city or the town early, hours early. And if you saw someone wearing a floor punch T-shirt, you knew that you you could just go right up and just start talking. And and, and, and yeah. oh shoot, you're one of us. You know, like now now you're you look at someone with that shirt, and be like your dad give you that shirt from 20 years ago. Like <laughs> it is great, but it was really like, like, you know, a small way, like, like almost like a motorcycle gang with like, like what, when you, when you were branded with a particular band shirt, you know, yeah. even the way you dress, the way you dressed, and be like, okay, yeah, that's, that that's my, that's my kind right there. You know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was like a, I don't know, just the, it was just a different type of vibe. Like going to shows now, driving to a city now, Um, you're usually given like some sort of an itinerary, some sort of a, you know what I mean? Like a where you gotta be, uh, what time you gotta be there. This is the, you know, just like it's it's easier. And believe me, I'd rather that. <laughs> but when I think about the things that we do went through to get to this point um it's i'm really happy for the struggles
0: you know what i mean i'm i'm happy for the, the
1: you don't that it, got lost yeah you're glad you
0: learned from it too but um, yeah you gotta yeah you, you learn from it like i don't really ever want to go into a gas station and ask if i'm in the right direction i like that my gps but at the yes. same time, there, there's a lot you know i can even go back to I, when I didn't really know anybody, and I was kind of quiet kid. I'd have to go down to the Viewmont Mall and look at flyers on the wall for when the next yeah. show is. And then since I don't know everybody, is, is that a heavy metal flyer? That looks like a death metal, but that could be all. I, I, I would just take it and go, and I'd turn up, it's a metal show. And I'd be like, God damn it. I'd, think I'd walk in and turn around and walk right back out because I didn't know.
1: Yeah, you know? No, you know? We used to... We used to- Like hand out flyers. Remember that? That was like an an art form, handing out flyers. And we would go to the mall and look for anyone who looked like maybe they might possibly enjoy this. But you're not looking for their t-shirt. You're just looking like sizing somebody up and be like, hey, you got anything going on Saturday? We're doing a show at this place in Stroudsburg and you hand it to a complete stranger. Or like, I'll look at somebody's mom and be like, hey, do you have kids by any chance? Because we're doing a show. It's all ages. And just talking to strangers, like, you get a lot of uh, confidence. You know what I mean? And you and a lot of, um, there's lessons from from doing these odd things that people don't really do now, you know? There's definitely lessons I learned from it.
0: Cool, cool. Uh, and you have uh, other projects going on right now, right? You have a new project?
1: Yeah, I started a new um, project. So me and um, Jeff Stress Davis um, and uh, Chuck Treese started oh, this Oh, great, project. Chuck Treese.
0: Right. Great guy,
1: yeah. Yeah, man. So we're doing a it's, – it's a reggae project. It's all reggae.
0: Hell yeah, and- dude.
1: And it's uh it's really fun it's it's good it's really good uh surprisingly good for for, for me singing reggae music I, um, I had to sort of um, teach myself how to sing again i had I went through some medical issues with my throat mm. um, just before the pandemic really was well it actually started in like 2000 the fall of 2020. I started getting these um, nodes in my throat, and I had to go through a very difficult process to just try to like be able to sing again. Um, and doing this project is actually very good for my voice.
0: Good, um, good. I'm glad glad that all worked out. Yeah, I'm glad that all I worked can, out. I can
1: sing a lot smoother. I don't have to scream my head off, and it makes it stronger for when I do uh, end up screaming my head off. I have more of a solid bass i guess in my throat but um yeah it's called cool tone brown and uh me me stress and chuck did this uh we have 13 songs recorded and we'll probably release it some point uh in 2023 probably by by summer i would say it will be available and um yeah so that's what i've been up to richie has another project that he did a full length of uh called z9 and it's really cool Um, Richie Evan and Luke from Wisdom and Chains did an an album. Um, It's cool. It's really cool. It's very like more like rock and roll style songs. I
0: like seeing us all stretch out. I think that's great.
1: It's it's necessary, man. Becomes you know, you gotta kind of um, gain some perspective. You know, at certain points in life, you gotta like kind of take a step back from things and and get some new perspective and then um whenever we get around to writing a new wisdom and chains album there's going to be a whole new um series of life lessons that i've gone through you know what i mean and everybody in the band also so we'll, we'll have something to write about
0: Wait. you know all right brother we're going we're we're entering the new segment of the show where i got a small list of questions it's kind of more about rapid fire these are fun this isn't all just music either so there's some music but we're gonna go off the grid here i think you'll have fun with these okay What, what was your favorite venue to see a show cc's okay cool cool all right your favorite venue to play at um
1: man I love the auto bar, in oh. Baltimore, but I gotta say reverb in Reading. Sweet. Like I would say, it's a reverb is number one. Auto bar would be a close second.
0: Sweet favorite country to play in outside the U.S. Um, Colombia. Interesting. Cool. Cool. Favorite hardcore band of all time. Of all time.
1: Oh man. It's such a tough one, man. Uh, So it's got to be sick of it all. It's got to be sick of it all.
0: <laughs>
1: awesome. but every I, I keep now as I say all these Madball lyrics are popping my head. I'm like, ah, no, it's Madball. It's Madball. No, but I'll, I'll stick to my first, my first choice. Sick of it all. But Madball is a very, very close second.
0: Awesome. Uh Favorite non-hardcore band. Uh, Man, a lot to choose
1: from. I'll tell you, like one of my favorite. Yeah, it's hard to pick a favorite non-hardcore band, but I'll tell you, like one of my favorite albums ever. And if you know that, if you're on a desert uh, island, yeah. you could pick one album to listen to for eternity. I could, I could pick you two, the Joshua Tree. It's uh, my favorite
0: album of all time, dude. Right, think, right there. It's, it's yeah. a
1: perfect album. It's perfect. It
0: it's it, it's gorgeous, and uh, it's
1: got it's got every single thing
0: that I want in an album. In 2019, when they did the 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 anniversary tour, me and Chris Nace were there, but we weren't sitting together. We just kind of got single tickets. <laughs> but it, they played the album in its entirety, and then they went into like mysterious ways and all that stuff. And they're like, "We're out of here." But but, <laughs> but yeah, no, dude, I think that's great. That, that's a bonded moment. Cool, cool. And in, in your eyes the band that you hold really high that's so underrated that people don't talk about?
1: Underrated? Like the band that should be on hardcore Mount Rushmore is uh, Killing Time, and I feel like not enough people talk about Killing Time. That's a
0: good choice. I like it. All right, flip it over here. Favorite actor? Oh, my God. Fuck. I don't know. uh, uh, Denzel Washington. Good choice. Favorite flick of all time? Probably Godfather. Good choice. Yes, yes. And what's the one movie, just like we used to do with music, like one movie that you go to bat for that everybody might give you the eye about? Um, this is stupid because it's
1: a huge movie. Okay. And a lot of people love this movie already. But I love it on a level that I think most people don't Respect it the way that I respect it, as I think this movie is sacred and beautiful. Go for <laughs> it, Forrest Gump.
0: Who doesn't like that?
1: I, I don't think. Uh, I think everybody likes it, but I don't think people like it. I, I I always feel like people are like liking it in this like comical way, uh, like, well, it's almost like a, it's a fucking comedy. And I'm like, no, this is like this is the greatest about life. Story. It's the greatest story maybe ever told it's
0: literally like
1: the greatest story ever
0: told it's absolutely beautiful from the kid with all It, it because it's got its funny parts the character has a gigantic arc you know he's not a stupid guy he just does some stupid things there's funny stuff but the guy's been in love with one girl his entire life and he never shies away from it then you got his darker stage where you know the vietnam thing like that there's nothing funny about that that's that's not comedy in any any way shape or form you know and then he rebounds and his heart his entire time he never lost it. i think it's a absolutely gorgeous movie i think it's a fantastic choice thank you (laughs) and uh this is another the last question is a curveball who's your favorite person out of history who you you're you're constantly like just love to hear about that you can't get enough of uh I love Mike Tyson. Great one.
1: <clears throat> if I could have um like lunch with somebody, yeah, yeah. Spend, spend some time with somebody and pick uh-huh. their brain. I think it might be Mike Tyson.
0: Cool. That's uh and speaking of Mike Tyson, there was um Jay Goldberg, the singer of Bad Luck 13. He does all my tattoos. And this is this is about, I don't know, five, maybe even seven years ago. I was scheduled six months ahead. I remember it was a Tuesday at four 30 to go in to get more work done on my back. And the girl called me 24 hours earlier and said, we've been double booked. You could have this spot, but would you be able to jump to Wednesday at four 30? And I was like, mm, no big deal. And then when I got in there Wednesday at four 30, I'm like, what's going on? He's like, Oh dude, yesterday, you know, around this time, Mike Tyson came in off the street and we tattooed him. And I was like, at four, I was like at four thirty. He's like yeah, and I'm like, oh, I got it. like I, like Mike would was just like, oh, Facebook. I was just like, how do you? No, that's know? amazing. How are you supposed to know? You know what I mean? Crazy. That's
1: crazy, man. Yeah, like you talk about a character arc. Y'all got you. character arc. Yep. And he's still not. He's still not done uh, evolving. Probably. No, he's not. There's.
0: You know what I have to say, too, about about Mike that I I love so much? And I saw, I'd say three-fourths of the world were ignorant. But when he fought, you know, last year, Roy Jones, people were like, shit. And I was like, that was beautiful out of both of them, knowing at their age, they're not trying to compete to, you know, win the title back. They're just, if you don't like that, you didn't like Rocky Six. That that there yes. was still something left in the basement, and I thought that was that was beautiful seeing that fight, and I just yep. saw a lot of rudeness online, laughing, of all these people that both of them can knock out in two seconds. Like, shut up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really, yeah, Matt. Yeah, no, I think he's
1: a, <clears throat> I think he's just a beautiful, misunderstood man, yep. and um, I, you know, obviously now he's more understood, but. To be where he's at, to come from where he came from, and to be where he is right now, even through all of the the downs that he's been through since then, it's just incredible that he's able to be who he is today, coming from where he came from. It's fucking awesome, and um, I admire people like that.
0: You talk about, like, yeah, going from, like, the outhouse to the penthouse, then to the bottom, and then rising back up again, and I think that, that, that's a beautiful story.
1: Yeah. Cool, cool.
0: All right, brother, thank you. I'm going to thank you so much for uh, coming on. There's Show. some shows that you need to announce.
1: Um, I don't really have the details in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> well, hold on a, a second. A we got to you know, we're playing a uh, – I know we're doing a punk rock bowling um, event in Las Vegas in May. Um, I don't have the exact date, but if you're into punk rock bowling, you can look it up easily. <laughs> we're playing with uh, – I know we're playing with Lions Law in uh, in Las Vegas in May. And then uh, we have a show in um, that's confirmed in October called Crash Fest, which is uh, Portland, Oregon. And uh, that's uh, October 22nd we're playing there. That's a Sunday. But the show itself is uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday in Portland, Oregon. It's going to be really cool. A lot of bands confirmed so far. It looks like it's going to be a solid lineup. So um, that's what we have confirmed, though. We're playing Las Vegas, and we're playing um, Portland, Oregon. And then we have a, a lot of other things that we've been kicking around and talking about and not completely 100% confirmed on, so I don't want to announce them yet. But there's uh, – a it looks like we're gonna have a, a fairly active year compared to how active we've been in the last couple. So um it's exciting. It's it's January and we're already booking stuff for uh for October. So I'm excited about this year.
0: I'm excited for you and for you guys to actually uh get those dates that you're speaking of, I'm pretty sure you could just visit the Facebook page on uh for Wisdom and Chains and uh <laughs> get the actual dates. <laughs> there you go. There you yeah. go, man uh bad joe thank you so much for coming on dude thank you lauren
1: my friend it's uh it's always good to talk to you man
0: absolutely and it's the time where i thank the thought uh everyone who's listening taking the time to listen to the show please hit that subscribe button on youtube spotify amazon and iHeartRadio. and until next week i will say that the party is over